Friends beyond the binary, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends of Mandalore, everybody out there, it's time for Sleep With Me, patrons, the podcast you make possible and that puts you to sleep. Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep we do it with a bedtime story all you need to do is get in bed turn out the lights and press play i'm gonna do the rest what i'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake and that could be thoughts you know things on your mind that you're thinking about uh, rumination Holy cow, when was the last time I talked about rumination? Regular listeners say two weeks ago, Scoots. Because uh, I, I feel like I need to ruminate about rumination. I feel like it's been too long. Uh, I feel like I've had, what's it, not a repose or a respite, uh, but something like a break, even though I think those both mean a break. Uh, so whatever your thoughts, uh, things on your mind that you're thinking about, feelings, it could be emotions coming up about those thoughts or about something else. Or they could just be there. Uh, you're experiencing them. Or maybe you're not. I, 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 sometimes I experience my feelings and sometimes, uh, you know, I'm trying to not experience them. So it could be feelings, physical sensations. could be changing your routine or your partner's routine or your family's routine. could be something else. Uh, whatever it is, especially third, fourth, fifth, fifth shift people. You know, so many uh, industrialists have sent me messages recently saying, quit talking about the fifth and sixth shifts uh, and the fourth dimensional shifts. We are trying to keep a lid on that scooter. Also, they don't exist. Uh, there's only three because sh- now they, the, the, the great and it was like the the the, uh, the TP barons. It been a, I don't think I've ever heard from the TP barons till 2020 and now 2021. Uh, but, uh, you know, they're out there, uh, Baron Von Scott, uh, and then that one, you know, the, uh, well, the Baron Von Scott's one that reached out to me and said, uh, now we have employees requesting to work on the fifth and sixth shifts, uh, and we don't know what to do. And I said, well, uh, here's the thing. I said, well, I, I don't do that for free. I can't consult with, uh. And they say, you know, you realize this is like a monopoly. That's what happened in 2020. And uh, I say, okay. Well, I say, oh, I'm sorry. Well, oh, this is just an imaginary conversation. I'm supposed to be starting a sleep podcast. So whatever is keeping you awake, I'd like to take your mind off that. What I'm going to do is I got a safe place. So Charmony Soft uh, <laughs> or whatever. Uh, it's a pillowy soft. If you want it, if you want a firmer place or something, I got plenty of room. Also, despite with that, our facilities are stocked, by the way, in our safe place. So whatever that Baron said is just not accurate. Uh, but um, uh, whatever it is, uh, whatever's keeping you awake, uh, I got a safe place here for you to rest, for you to catch a breath and to start to wind down. And the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use a lulling, soothing, creaky, dulcet tones. That's right. My dulcets are creaky. That's a dulcet. I have no idea. D-U-L-C-E-T maybe. Creaky like a door. Dulcet uh, like a shiny bauble. Uh, like the audio version of that. Creaky dulcet tones, pointless meanders. That's where I go. You've seen a few. You've seen one of those. And superfluous tangents, that's when I'll talk, somehow I got to talk about rumination. You think Rumi ruminated at all? I mean, would Rumi be quite, quite, I mean, I'm sure that that's how Rumi found Rumi's way uh, to a more mindful place is probably from like a, like a few decades of rumination. That's just a guess, but, uh, because you say, wait a second, like, uh, this room, this ruminating, I'm not cut out for ruminating. 
But I got to get to these new listeners. So I'm going to send my voice across the deep dark night. I'm here to keep you company while you fall asleep. There's a lot of counterintuitive things about the show. So I just want to tell you about them right up front. The first thing is, this is a podcast you don't really listen to. You just barely kind of listen, almost in a, not a totally passive way, like humor me. Uh, like almost like, not like you would humor a friend, I guess you like, cause I got to earn your trust, right? We can't just become friends. Uh, obviously, uh, that, you know, you're, you're you might be skeptical or doubtful. So just humor me like you would someone like, let's say you were like stopping to, uh, you just say, uh-huh, uh-huh. Like that kind of stuff. You say like, that's the kind of participant, like you just barely listen, just like when you barely listen to people during the day. Like, let's say you're in line at, at like, a, a, a quick store, a quick shop, uh, and you're just getting a couple of things, and someone's talking to you about something, and, you you like, you might just be, you might have other stuff on your mind, or they might be talking daytime nonsense. They might be ruminating. They might be expounding on something they've been ruminating about, uh, and you might just try to be polite and say, uh-huh, uh-huh, okay, oh, boy, uh-huh. Yep. No. Well, okay. I got my Twinkies. I got to go now. Thanks. Uh, so for sleeping, it's just kind of like that where you're like, uh-huh. Okay. Rumination, huh? Okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Just Varen, Baron von, Varen von Scott. Uh, so that's the first thing. Barely, you just kind of like, uh, this podcast is almost like sand running through your hands. The other thing is this podcast really doesn't put you to sleep. There's other podcasts out there that that are kind of designed to put you to sleep. This podcast is here to keep you company while you fall asleep. And the difference is that uh, you don't have to listen to me, but that the sh- that's why the shows are about an hour. And also that uh, I- I'm here t- twice a week. It's so... What I forgot, I literally forgot what I was talking about. You don't have to, I don't have to put, oh, yeah, this doesn't really put you to sleep. I just keep you company. I got mixed up in the middle of a sentence. So that's why the I'm going to be here to the very end. So if you can't sleep, I'll be here to keep you company. But most of the time, you just kind of fall asleep at your leisure. You just barely listen to me. And then the next thing you know, it's the next day or tomorrow, you know, tomorrow, ideally. So no need to listen no pressure to fall asleep. The other things to know if you're new is the structure of the show. The show starts off with a greeting, friends beyond the binary, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, um, friends of man, the boars. Uh, so they, uh, that's, a, that's a greeting so everybody knows they're welcome, so you feel seen and invited in. Then there's a, like a support for the audience, then there's support for the show like business, then there's an intro. And the intro runs somewhere around, I don't know, like a minute five or six or seven to minute 20-something, somewhere around 12 to 18 to 20 minutes of introduction. And the intro serves a purpose of uh, keeping you company uh, while you wind down. Like, uh, it can really throw people off because normally introduction is just you know a minute or two. You say, well, here's a, what the show is. This is what the show is going to be about, and this is what we're going to do. And what I found with Sleep With Me is that that's just a little too abrupt uh, for a sleep podcast because then suddenly, at least for me and for a lot of listeners in the early days, they said, well, then I'm supposed to fall asleep. Then you started the story that I'm supposed to fall asleep to. That's a little bit too much pressure. So the intro grew over the years uh, to what it is today, and that's so that you can ease into bedtime. It's kind of like bonus bonus meanders. That's that's a, when one day if we have a plush character related to the show, somebody remind me to just come up with a character named Bonus Meanders, or maybe it'd be like T Bonus Meanders, like because maybe Bonus Meanders would be in a suit. Uh, T Bonus Meanders, the uh, that would be the the in Baron von Scott. I think they maybe one day they'll be in a story together. But uh, I forget what else. Now I got T Bonus Meanders running around in my brain. 
But so the intro serves a purpose of easing you into bedtime or being part of your bedtime routine. Because sleep with me is, for some people, it does work very fast. But for most of us, and the way the show is designed, it's great if it works fast for you, is that it's meant to ease you into bedtime. So it's part of your wind down, whether you're in bed or you're getting ready for bed, to give you some distance from the day. Uh, so that's why it goes on and on and on. Uh, you can skip it, though. It, most people find after two or three tries that they really enjoy the intro. But yeah, two or three percent of listeners and a few thousand patrons enjoy just listening to the stories. Or like, so if you're listening on this feed, you just start the show around twenty minutes or something, and that won't be exact, but that'll get you close. So that's the intro. Then there's business between the intro and the story. That's kind of the main place where podcasts have their business. That's called the mid-roll, even though it's it's called the mid-roll, even though it's not in the middle of the show. It's like uh, the first quarter. It's after the first quarter of the show. So and so we get that done. Then we start the bedtime story. Tonight it'll be a re- recap of uh, the Mandabor- Mandalorian, Mandalorian uh, from season two. And, oh boy, will we be talking about Baby Oso and, uh, you know, I, I, you, some people may say this podcaster doesn't know his grief cargus. He doesn't know the difference between grief cargus and reef cargus. Also, it's not cargus. And I say, you're right. And it's not grief or reef. And I'd say, well, they're, it's a family, okay? Just because you don't know about the the greater cargus uh, group. uh uh, and I do. That's how I met T-Bone whatever. Uh, what was that part of my brain? T-Bone Meanders? Uh, but so, you're right. I don't know my grief cargus from my reef cargus. Uh, though I may write some fan fiction now. You say, yeah. I'm the, I'm the, boring, I'm the boring cargus brother. Not even an accountant for my, my brother's... Uh, we're t- we were twins, not like those solo twins, though. I always spent most of my time solo at home. Uh, grief car that's Grief Cargus, I think. Or maybe Reef Cargus. But I love, uh, I love, I know I never scuba dove, but I love reefs. Uh, and so, yeah, that's my hobby is thinking about reefs. Oh, reefs, did I say reefs? I meant wreaths, wreaths. Uh, Anyway, so the uh, then the, so that's what we'll talk about the Mandalorian in a very meandering and indirect way, and you know I kind of get fixated and go off topic and stuff. So then and then there'll be thank yous uh, at the end of the show. So it's a structure of the show. Uh, the reason I make this show is twofold. One, you deserve a good night's sleep. You deserve a place you could rest. And get get a good get a good night's sleep. You just deserve that. That's just a fact, and it's also a fact that if you get the sleep you need, your life's going to be better, and all of our lives are going to be better. That's like a, it's that's just a, the fact of the matter, and that's important. That's uh, important to me uh, to be able to provide it if I can. Now, this podcast does not work for everybody, so hopefully it works for you. And then the other reason I make the show is because I've been there. Like, I just read a review from somebody that was a chronic insomniac that doesn't sleep to the show. And that's just there listening for some company in the deep, dark night. And that's why I make the podcast. Uh, I make it to put you to sleep, but to keep you company when you can't sleep. Because I know that lonely, desperate feeling that happens in the middle of the night. And if I can take your mind off of that and keep you company and just tell you a goofy story... Or, you know, be be silly. And then either I keep you company, maybe I make you barely giggle, or you fall asleep. That's that's why I'm here. So, yeah, so those are those two things. Uh, I think that's it for the stuff of the show. I was just thinking of rumination. I mean, it's not a bad word to say, though it feel it feels heavy in the mouth. Rumination. I mean, I think because it's a heavy, it's got a heavy load to bear. And it's so close to rumination. I don't know if you just change a couple letters or what. Rumination is like, that one's hard for a dyslexic to spell. Ruin is R-U-I-N. 
Rumen. Ramination. Is there a ramen place called Ramination? Because there should be. I would just presume there is somewhere. It's almost a little bit hard to say. Ramination. Uh, you'd have to think of some reason. You say, why is it called Ramination? And you say, well, and you say, okay, which, first of all, which nation is it in? Your typical U.S. Uh, I'd say, okay, well, we have a globe with, uh, you know, every, at least every continent, we have different ramens. Uh, it's ramination, but that's international. That's not, na- oh, okay, so you're right. We have to rethink this dining concept. Is it going to be fast casual? I don't know. I never know what that means. We'll be like the place where you go up and you order from the place. Uh, well, that might just work with your concept because you have the ramen already ready in the bowl. Okay, somebody patent this. Please, I own this idea, just so you know. And then you have the broths and then the toppings. Ramination. Uh, it's po- ramination where ramen is possible. For dinner, you know, for for fast casual, you know, meal. Okay, so anyway, that's so. I'm basically here to just keep you company. If you're ruminating, if you're ruminating on ruminating or uh, ruination or uh, anything else, uh, I'm here to keep you company and take your mind off of stuff because you're you're important and your sleep's important. I appreciate you coming by. Like I said, not everybody. This show just doesn't work for everybody. But usually when people come, they're skeptical or doubtful, which is totally normal. So all I can say is, like, give it a few tries and see how it goes and see if it works for you. That's what most reviewers say. It takes two or three tries to get used to its creaky dulcet tones, its pointless meanders, the fact that you don't listen to him, he doesn't really put you to sleep. He just keeps you company. He does have to earn your trust in order to lose it. Also, the sh- you know show structure. So yeah, but eventually I started falling asleep. No problem. So just give it a few tries, see how it goes. If not, there's a lot of you can go sleepingmepodcast dot com slash no thank you and check out other sleep podcasts uh, and stuff out there. But I really appreciate you coming by. I work really hard at your next drive, and I really want to help you fall asleep. And here's a couple of ways I'm able to do this for you free twice a week. All right, everybody, it's time to talk Mandalorian. Time for the Mandalorian on Mandalorian. We're talking about uh, Season 2, Episode 4, Chapter 12. Uh, the um can't remember the name of it, but we'll find out soon. Starts with the old Disney on the Plus. And then there's a recap. We have, uh, I forgot the young person's name. I just call him, I was calling him, you know, fish person. It, but aptly, aptly, is that the right word? Well played by uh, Horatio Sands, I think. Uh, and we see it from the first season, the first episode, when he gets busted by the Mandalorian. Oh, is that me? Must be some mistake. Uh, I could get you credits. And uh, Mandalorian says, carbonite or no carbonite? And he ends up carbonized because he ran away, I think. Then they're scanning whole Werner. We got the Werner paging Dr. Werner. Uh, and uh, they're scanning uh, Baby Oso. And, uh, Mandalorian, this is from, this is in the days of the floating pram, which we just lost recently. This is floating pram 1.0. Assets important to me. Dr. Pershing, uh, who's the doctor and Yoda, oh, not Yoda. I don't know. I get distracted because everything is moving so f- faster than I can talk. But, uh, Mando rec- has to rescue baby Oso. Uh, from uh, Werner and uh, Dr. Pershing. And he says, leave the kid alone, man. Then we see Cara Dune uh, in a couple different action shots. We see, uh, uh, who's that? Moff Gideon in the X-Wing, Mandalorian, Grief Cargus, uh, and uh, Cara Dune parting ways. Then the uh, failed take uh, take off and landing, or no, the takeoff in uh, wherever they were last week, uh, Swamp City. 
then we have the Lucasfilm and uh, Disney Plus, or the Lucasfilm and Star Wars uh, things. Sounds like Dustin from Stranger Things. Oh, that's the person at the get. Hey, Oso, did you, did you, oh no, this part's, sorry, we're not there yet. TIE Fighter, Carl Weathers, Sea Ship, know what I'm taking, know where I'm taking you out. Then uh, Lucasfilm, Star Wars, and they run out of, they're low on gas. Uh, so uh, they're trying to fix some stuff. So he says, okay, let's try this again. He's got Oso. Goes, do you do you have the wire? So a little bit of comedy in revealing about the Mandalorian's character. Uh, but he's, you know, like this is a desperate times cost for call for desperate measures. But again, this is a bit of a high wire act that they pull off because it's like a very piece of classic comedy. Plug the red wire where the blue wire is. Plug the blue wire where the red one is. Do you know what red is? And Baby Oso's talking baby talk. Uh, Plug the red wire in where the blue wire is. Don't, don't look at it. Don't put them too close. Uh, okay. Do you understand what it? Don't touch. You know. Don't cross the streams. Uh, see, re, it's very cute. Uh, oh, baby Oso and the Mandalorian's uh, exasperation. He says, "Do you understand what I'm doing?" It's in there. He's in a little crawl space that only Oso could fit in. They're absolutely charged, so, and then we do, we see the comedy, we see the thing, uh, that one's straight out of an 80s movie, but it still works, uh, Smoke, oh, he sounds like Dustin from Stranger Things, I don't know why I put that, but the Mandalorian, maybe just the way Mandalorian, oh yeah, because Dustin one time was giving directions to somebody over the phone, or when he's had to give people directions. Red wire, blue wire, what? No, no, no. Red wire, blue wire. One was, be careful, zoinks, steam. How did they get that to work? I mean, that's what I just said. Uh, worth the sea shoots. Uh, then, Oso drinks soup. Uh, no way. Oso looks as uh, um, the Mandalorian drinks his soup, but covers his face. He takes a couple ones. Oso breathes loud in this scene. Um, and uh, then there's a cut. There's music. I think Mandalorian cheering music. Just trying to see if I missed anything here. Who knows if I missed? I mean, I missed a lot. Uh, I miss you much, as Janet Jackson once said. In between seasons, oh, so... Okay, so then we have these characters. I thought they were in the Mandalorian Forge Room. I'm still not positive that they aren't, but it could be a bar. And they're trying... It's like a pet store without a license. Uh, and uh, so they say, well, you, like, because uh, they're selling uh, Ricky Ticky Tavis, you know, Ricky Ticky Tavi. Is it? Oh, it's Ricky Ticky Tavi, my brain just said. And if, again, if you need another thing to say that puts you in a good mood, Ricky Ticky Tavi has uh, been a while. That was one of those Don Bluth films, I think, that uh, I can't watch because it was, it was too powerful, the emotions it evoked in me as a child. Also, I think it was like when teachers didn't feel good. That was one of the few movies we watched. Uh, that and uh, I don't even know what else. Uh, so then Cara Dune shows up and she she says, "Do you have a license to operate a uh, I forgot Magu shop?" And they say, uh, "No, and we don't. We're never going to have one." So she has to actually, uh, you know, say, "Okay, please come with me." Which, of course, they don't do, and they want to do, like, a not just a breakdancing contest, just see who can spin longer on their back. She wins, of course. She out, she out spins everybody. The whole, like, she spins the whole time while they're still trying to do, like, a back spin. You know what that is? Uh, then she tries to clean up the place, mostly because they had uh, pet tags that said the pets had been... And and then a, a mongoose comes and kisses her. That really happened in the episode. And climbs up her shoulder. 
and says, I'll be your Ricky Ticky Tavi if you be, you know, the child I'm supposed to watch over. And Cardoon says, um, listen, kid, Cardoon doesn't need watching over. Have some, have a snack and hit the road. I gotta get, uh, maybe I'll get all these pets back where they belong. So she does that. She takes on, she takes all the pet tags too and heads out. Then we have to open the Mandalorian chapter 12, the siege. Then we have the man, then the next shot is Mandalorian coming in for landing bar closing time. Oh, there's also argument over the pet shop tips. Clouds, Mando's coming in, ship's coughing. And who's waiting there but his besties? Uh, is it Grief Cargus or Reef Cargus? I always make, get it mixed up. And uh, Cara Dune or Cara Dune. And Mandalorian's can't even get Mandalorian's back door won't even go all, down all the way to offload. And they say, well, one of our besties is back. They have that smile like we have when you see a friend. You haven't seen a friend in a while. And Mandalorian's looking shiny. Carl Weathers gives him a handshake. Uh, Mando says, how's my credit around here? Something could be arranged, right, Marshall? So now we learn Cara Dune is a marshal now. And he says, my ship's all jacked up. He says, I get my best people on it. A Randy Quaid lookalike and somebody in a helmet. Uh, and he said, are those your best people? He said, yeah, they're already waiting here for you. And then they want to see, oh, so they say, oh, is he, have you been taking good care of them? And uh, you better be. And uh, they say, okay, come on. Everybody's happy. No, there's a lot of long looks, though, at Mando. So I don't know if, like, uh... Oh, okay, no, I just figured it out. Okay. took me. This took me, what, four or five episodes? Uh, so there you go. It's a little bit of information, like, uh, that you could, if you rewatch these episodes as many times as I do, that uh, someone looks back after Mando at around 7.55, and that person reappears at another point. Uh, I don't know if it's in this episode or another one. Then they go into town. It's booming. The marketplace looks good. Mando says, I'm, you know, I'm proud of all of you. Uh, town looks great. Your ship doesn't look so great, though. Marshal Dune is taking care of it. Uh, what happened? And uh, he says, uh, not, whatever, the New Republic, not rebels anymore. And Grief Cargus says, uh, they should leave uh, Outer Rim alone. Then they go to a building, and Mando says, I can't believe this place is still stand, standing. And they say, wait till you see inside. So I didn't know if it was his old office or the um, the Werner hideout. Oh, but it's a classroom. Still don't know what it is. Uh, and there's like a C-3PO, whatever type of droid that is, uh, teaching. I don't know if it's a protocol droid. I don't know if it's a protocol class, uh, but this is a strange protocol if you, to you, because they just sit uh, baby Oso down at class. Right in the middle, there's an extra seat. I mean, I'm sure Grief called ahead, but uh said, hey, kid, that kid that uh, keeps putting his finger in his nose, get, take him out of his seat. We got somebody coming in, special guest. And they just sit baby Oso down again, you know, cuter, cuter than can be. All the kids are talking. They can't believe it. Uh, some people are laughing. He barely sits in his seat, fits in his seat. His shirt looks a little too big. He looks around, though, you know, he's taking it all in. Or they, I guess I'm projecting on baby Oso. I apologize. Baby Oso takes everything in. Then notices one of the, someone eating ma- blue macaroons uh, in the middle of class uh, while the teacher's teaching. Noso says, hey, how about one of those for me with pure body language? And the kid goes, no, mind your own business. Uh, Oso persists, actually. First, so the kid ignores him. And then uh, Oso says, you know, come on, puts his hand out. And then the kid says, no. And he says, you're not going to share? You got like five of them in a pack. Uh, how many orbits are in the Kessel system? Anybody remember that? 
And Baby Oso uses the forest to get a snack. I don't know what whole, I have no idea what uh, any of those old forest ball, you know, all the old Jedi would say about that. I don't think, and Baby Oso gets, he starts eating one, gets it on his shirt, uh, and he just says, pond or whatever you say in a video game. Kids whisper, class, uh, sure, let me just see. Uh, please know what, uh, I cute, eats more, also helps, also helps, also self, what, thanks, then fun music, then we go to the garage, the fish person's there, and Mando rolls in, and Grief says, you guys met before, right, he ejects some spores or something, Mando says, surprised to see you, he goes, yeah. Mithril is his name. He's been keeping my books, but then uh, he vanished, you know. But uh, so they, there's like a little bit of CEO's cargo, a lot of 350 years of work. And Mando says, Yeah, don't forget, I can catch you too. And he goes, Yeah, I still don't, I didn't like being in carbonite. Then Cardoon says, We got to get to discussion time, okay? A business. And Mando says, what do you mean about business? Uh, red oil bilge. Oh, Moff Gideon. Oh, let's see. That might be coming up. Uh, carbonite. Business. Oh, you have free time. We dumped your kid at the, uh, you got to get, your ship's got to get repaired. And the kid's getting watched at the school. So, you know, uh, we're roping you into something, buddy. And first Mando thinks about it, but he says, we could use your help, uh, help how. Cardoon fires up this Navarro map, uh, green zone, totally safe. Uh, but then we got this red thing down here, old Imperial base. It was when Moff Gideon, that's where the troops came from. Been here since the Imperial expansion. No, almost, it's not abandoned, but there's not many people in there. But it's got stuff we got to get rid of. Uh, and uh, Mando says, "Yeah, what do you want me to go in there?" And uh, Grief says, "Yeah, I want him off my planet. Uh, we take out that base. Navarro could be completely safe. Trade anchor for the sector." Cardoon says, "And the planet would be free." And of course, Mando thinks about. It. He says, "What are we looking at?" Uh, then we have a land speeder, uh, four, you know, four jets. They shoot across into a gray canyon. Bases got a reactor. We just got to cut off the coolant and blow it up. Uh, keep the speeder running. We, we see uh, Mithril's drive, and it's a cliff base, uh, which is always interesting. I don't know if it's built into the cliff, obviously, so that things can take off and stuff, but so it's hidden. I mean, it has a high ground, and it's in the middle of a canyon in the middle of nowhere. But uh, then Grief Cargus and Mithril have a lot of back and forth about where to park and how long he's got to wait for them. Uh, they pull up. Well, remember, this is like a volcanic planet. Uh, remember that show, Volcanic Planet? I think that was that a uh, was that a like which that was on one of the extra channels. Uh, but they go up to the door, doors busted for the elevator. Not rated, they're a pretty good joke, not rated for uh, lava, imperial trash. Uh, and then uh, this is really funny, because uh, he also does that thing. Did you do this where you turn around, like the way you turn around to back up? Uh, uh, Mithril says, all right, hit me up later when you want me to pick you up. I'm headed out. Uh, and Cargus says, uh, park your gills. Uh, and he says, I'm dehydrated. Uh, and then he says, get a flange cutter and you get to work. Uh, and he says, I hate to leave my speeder behind. And then Mando jet packs up. He says, I'll be back. He jets packs up to the base. Uh, sit tight. Lots of talk. Mithril does a lot of rumbling to himself, which is funny. 
He's trying to get the door open with, you know, bowl cutter. Cara Dune's like, can you pick it up? He goes, look, lady. She says, well, I'm sorry you don't talk to me like that. Uh, then they say, dank ferric. Uh, then a, uh, um, what do you call it? Stormtrooper falls asleep. Uh, and they say, let's take the elevator. And uh, Mithril says, no, thanks. And they say, she says, well, the lava tide's going to come in. And he says, okay, but he didn't think about his land speeder. Uh, then we see a long, wide shot of the base. They get off the elevator. Mando's taking care of a couple stormtroopers. He says, I thought this base was empty. And they say, well, kind of empty. Reactor, we just got to drain the cooling again. Uh, that'll be it uh, for the reactor. And they say, look, this is some, Mithril says, look at this old, what does he call it? A... I wrote down one thing, but the closed captioning saying something else. What did I say? Uh, mid-century marauder. I thought he said mid-century marauder. Uh, but he says something else. Uh, check this out. Uh, there's some a lot of wind, good music. Uh, hey, look, Trexler, Mint Trexler Marauder. But I think it's mid-century because, I, I don't know, everything's mid-century. You say, what kind of style is that? Okay, the doors, musics, they go through a, a hall with speeder bikes, command calls, security feeds down in the shuttle bay. That's from, like, the command center. And then Cara Dune does a little uh, Vulcan action on the head officer in the control room. He said, check your relay hub. She says, I'll check your relay hub, bub. Uh, caress off, key handy, find, heat shaft, TK-147, mithril use cold cylinder, lava pit, whoa. Right, afraid. so let's see. Yes, yeah, so they find a key, like a key code, what, I don't know what they call it, code tumbler or something. They go in the hall, they're doing some fast walking, access corridor. They dodge a couple stormtroopers. Uh, they say, check it out. TK-147, Section 4. Scan controls unreliable. Send a tech crew. Uh, Mando leads away. Uh, they say, okay, Mithril, slice the door. He says, well, I got the code cylinder. Or Grief Cargo says that. Uh, they open one door, and then they open another door, and they're in the spot they need to be in. And uh, they say, whoa, and Grief says, Mithril, you go over there and do it. He says, there's no guardrail. Drain the coolant lines. We'll watch the door. And he goes, I don't like heights, heat, or lava. And like uh, he says, get moving, man. And he has to climb out there. It's like analog buttons. So he starts pushing buttons. Um, and then he realizes, oh, I'll use the code cylinder uh, again. They say, come on, hurry up. Uh Analog buttons off, so he shuts it off with a cold cylinder. Code cylinder, klaxons start ringing. Eighteen fifteen. I said to pause it. Let's see what it is. Eighteen oh eight. Eighteen oh seven. Eighteen eleven. I don't see anything. The klaxons start ringing at eighteen fifteen. Mind running full. Oh no. Okay, this is what happens. Uh, so it's not 1815. They say, all right, the lava's starting to boil. It's actually around 1825. There's another shot with Mando running full speed down the hall. The second shot, he's not running full speed, but it just was a cool one. You don't really see that often. Of course, all the stormtroopers now are like, oh, boy, there's alarms going off. This can't be good. So they, they they see some. They go back another way. Then they go into this room, and we you know we learn from the other one that the scientists, imperial scientists, wear a certain uniform, or science officers. So they go in and they find these two dudes uh, trying to do, like uh, mess up all the hard drives, uh, and even try like uh, blastering the hard drives. And they go into this room, and there's, like, all these cha aqua chambers with uh, 
fish in them. Uh, and they say, what is this going on here with all these fish? Uh, uh, never seen anything like this. Very dis, you know, like, I don't know if I like it. And I thought this was a base, uh, car goes, this isn't military. This is a lab. And she goes, we had a hack the system. Mithril, do it. Uh, he goes, what about the reactor core? She goes, hack the system, man. Mandalorian says, I don't like this. Mithril hacks the system. Uh, he also has a com- comedy move where he says, excuse me, to one of the former scientists. Uh, uh, the scientist from that worked for Werner shows up, uh, Dr. Pershing. He says, yeah, we tried, but the experiments aren't working. It was promising, but then now it's not working anymore. And we're out of juice. Uh, we're not going to find any other thing with more, um, you know, superfoods. Uh, so unless we have a volunteer that has, like, more superfood juice, because uh, we can't do anything. We've exhausted everything. You know, it was just a kid, so that also oh, was so oh, so cute. So you could only test much, you know. And uh, he says that these computer, you know, if we want to continue, we got to get the child back. I won't disappoint you, Moff Gideon. Don't worry about it. Mando says this has got to be old because Moff Gideon, Moff Gideon's out. I crashed his ex or uh, Tie Fighter. And Mithril goes, it's three days old. Uh, sorted it by, you know, time. And they see Mando says, hmm. So does Grief Gargus. Uh, Gideon's alive. Then some stormtroopers show up. And we have a bit of a showdown. Uh, which, you know, is natural, fun. Same dude with Werner. IRM count, exhausted supply, child, a small, small access to donor. Off Gideon, three days old. Stormtroopers, Mando says, I got to go get the kid. So they say, okay, let's split up. Uh, so he jetpacks off. Uh, Dune, Cargus, and Mithril, they go another way. They have to deal with a lot of stormtroopers playing laser tag. Mando is definitely highly effective in his moves. He uh, he heads back the way they came. Uh, Cardoon and uh, Grief work well as a team with Mithril on backup. Mando shoots into the lava shaft, flies up it. And uh, if you're a stormtrooper, you see a Mandalorian just to run for your run. I mean, that's all I could tell you because uh, does not work out. They almost shut down the... Um, thing like that's the one thing i noticed because they head to the controls amanda gets to the top of the base uh the stormtroopers are still trying to figure out uh that mando takes off with his jetpack then uh team two they have uh mithril open a door they get out to like the landing bay where they saw the mid-century tank uh but then the elevator door opens with a bunch of stormtroopers. They're pinned down, like behind some cargo. And uh, let's see, we're okay, we're pinned down. Cardoon says, what do you know? There's a mid-century tank over there, mid-century marauder. And she runs for it, cover me. She gets in, starts that thing up. She says, come on, come on, sweet baby. Or baby girl, she says, let's see what you can do. Starts the engine and uh, pulls up, blocks uh, uh, the way so Cargus and uh, Mithril can get in. Let's move. What are you waiting for an invitation? Go, go, go. Uh, they get on board. Uh, she closes up the door. They try to go one way, but the door's closed, so they can't go that way. So she does like a three, no, 180, I guess, not a 360. And she goes to two of the stormtroopers, get out of the way. She jumps and does this big jump, uh, which was super cool. Except that they land that, and then there's like, there's very much like a movie where they're like, whoa, that kind of thing. 
And they land on Mithril's land speeder, unfortunately. So that doesn't work out for him. He's a little, that was my speeder. And they take off again. Uh, one of the stormtroopers looks and then, uh, I don't know how many, five or six, uh, uh, what do you call those things? Uh, what are those things called? How come I can't remember? Some speeder, uh, speeder bikes. They head out, but uh, it's a couple of people who must have been their first day on a speeder bike because they said, what, what is the, like, uh, why did you take a job as a speeder bike pilot if you can't ride a speeder bike, which is a common thing. But these two, two of them crash uh, before they've even gotten off the base property. And I just would say to myself, like, uh, I don't know, I guess uh, I thought I had a joke for it, but I don't. Well, I had a question about it, like, uh, Two down on the side, get out. Uh, oh, so then they try chasing it. Uh, so there's three that make it. And then Grief Cargus hops on the um, defensive system, uses the defensive system right away to defend against one of them, and one down. Then the two of them do a split move. They each go up to the side of the um, mid-century marauder. Well, that should be a name of a wrestler, the mid-century marauder. I guess they'd say that for a boxer, like Sparta, they would lead up the mid-century marauder, the tank of, uh, from, t- 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 you know, whatever. Uh, one of the, um, speeder bike people climb on the, uh, on the, uh, marauder. The other one gets too close to the side and Kara takes him out. And so the one is on the top, uh, and he says, I'm just going to leave a little present for you, Grief. Uh, and, uh, like, uh, Grief says, no, I have defensive systems trained on you. And he laughs. And he says, great news, we're free. But we see four TIE fighters take off. And also, the base, the first time I watched it, I did not notice the base went bye-bye. But, uh, and I said, oh, did the base make it? And someone corrected me, my daughter. She said, no, the base went bye-bye. So they say, we did it. We're headed home. But then the TIE fighters, four TIE fighters come in after the mid-century marauder, which is, you know, not good. And uh, so then Grief says, okay, let me try to defend against these, take evasive, I got it. And they're going as fast as they can, but, you know, these uh, TIE fighting pilots, they start adjusting their dials and stuff. Uh, and Grief's got readouts like an 8-bit video game, so he's trying. And he's trying, he's like really stressed. Uh, and they're trying to get him. Uh, Cara Dune's just going side to side. Luckily, I guess because of the canyon, they can't all, like they got to be lined up. Only one of them can really take the lead of the TIE fighters. They say, what are you doing back there? And he says, you want to do something? Be my guest. Uh, let the magic do the rest. And he says, can't you go any faster? And she's trying to beg this thing on, ch- changing gears and stuff. And they're going through this canyon, pretty sweet. Uh, one of the TIE fighters gets a lock the exact same time. But Grief gets it first, but then that takes out the defensive systems. while it lands kind of on the marauder. And Grief falls down. And they're almost there, but they still have three TIE fighters on them. So they say, oh boy, hurry, we're almost there. But then they're in this open plain. And right when they get a lock, uh, right when all hope seems lost, Deus, uh, not even Mando N Machina, Mando in a machine comes. Uh, and he takes out one, the one that had the lock on them in the Razor Crest. Uh, everybody says, yippee and the kid's on board eating macaroons. Uh, Mando says, you got that kid? You see that? Then they have to chase one, and it's like a roller coaster, and Oso is loving the action. I mean, you think maybe we'll look back on the season and say, Oso got to experience Oso's childhood, finally. And so the Mando's chasing one of the TIE fighters, high altitude. Oso's still eating. I wonder if Disney would let you eat on board like that. Uh, and Mando takes out one. 
TIE Fighter. Oh, so cheers. It's so cute. Really. Holy moly. And he then he does this cool flip move, uh, high altitude flip uh, with the brakes. Then does a spin move into the other TIE Fighter to dodge it. Uh, he just has the pilot out class. And so Mando's cool as cucumber. And uh, he wins that battle. Looks great, too. And then Grief is watching through Binox and saying, yippee-yay. Even Mithril's, like, uh, doing, like, fist pumps. And he says, not too bad, kid, huh? And then Oso barfs. Uh, could use, Oso could use a relief band. Uh, and Mando says, oh, boy. So, uh, so I, could, I could, I mean, I, other than, like, the skills and the devastatingly, you know, the ability to wear a helmet at all times, being handsome under your helmet like Pedro Pascal, uh, you know, all the, all, all the skills, uh, attitude wise, me and Mandalorian are somewhat similar in the fact that he's grouchy like I am sometimes. And he says, oh boy. But yeah, so Oso throws up a macroon, blue macroon poop, puke, not poop. Uh, still has one left though. And no, again, there's just a perfect balance of comedy. He says, oh boy. Calls grief. Uh, they say, good flying, man. He grabs it. He's trying to clean him and fly. He's wiping him down. We'll call it even. Don't you want to stop for a drink? Uh, sorry, I have some onboard maintenance I got to take care of. Uh, then I got to hit, hit the road before Gideon. And they say, good luck, my friend, flying. Then there's a, a wipe. Uh, uh, like a screen wipe to show some time passed, and we see two X-wings uh, in, in Navarro, town proper. And one of the officers is in, 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 uh, uh, interviewing Grief Cargus, and he says, so what happened again? The Razor Crest left, the base blew up. Uh, uh, remember anything else? He goes, no. Well, okay, so what time did the Razor Crest leave? And he's grief says, what do you mean, ra- Razor who? And they go, we got it on the transponder log. He goes, those things are dysfunctional. Control droids, you know? This isn't Coruscant, man. And they go, do you have anything else to add? He goes, uh, nothing that I can think of, officer. But if something comes to mind, I'll let you know. I'll send you a gram. And I, I love that. Uh, and they says, can you hit the, okay, meeting's done. So the officer leaves. Uh, Mithril's looking very inquirous. Uh, Grief says, what do you want? Cara uh, Dune's outside. So he rolls up, the officer rolls up on her. She's with her Ricky Ticky Tavi. She, she goes, this is a Ricky Ticky Tavi. And he goes, you've done a great job here. And I heard you're quite a soldier. We could really use your help. Uh, and she goes, I'm not a joiner, Blue. And he goes, too bad. Well, uh, he goes, there's something going on out here, though. They don't believe it in the core, but I know there's too many. These aren't isolated incidents. Someone's up to something. But we need some local support. And uh, he goes, I heard you're from Alderaan. And he goes, I served during Alderaan. She gets a pained look on her face. Uh, and he goes, you lose anyone? She goes, oh, uh, hello, Alderaan, uh, Alderaan, everybody, everybody that was on planet. Uh, and he says, yeah, I know it's, um, uh, I misspoke, but I'm sorry. And then he leaves or something, which I did have to wait and to find out later is a badge. Uh, like, so she's actually like officially the, officially the marshal now, I think, uh, but she has a pained look. She doesn't even pick it up right away. Uh, and she goes, you got a badge for my mongoose, too? Because my mongoose says, you know, it's going to have to do a lot of d- defensive work. Uh, but he walks off. Then we see, uh, like, an Imperial Star Destroyer-type ship, a, a different model than we've se- than I've seen before. It's flying overhead. Uh, it's got those big, you know... And then we and, uh, then we see an imperial officer looks familiar. I could, I didn't have a chance to figure out who this was. Uh, and they're talking to someone familiar from earlier. 
and who says the device is planted. Uh, say, great, you'll be rewarded. Uh, then we see people walking. Uh, the officer walks uh, towards back, towards another room, hits a button, some big doors open, and there's Moff Gideon in steam, man. And there's all these, like, uh, uh, suits. She goes, beacons on the Razor Crest boss. And he goes, Do you, does he have the asset? And he goes, she goes, yeah. Uh, and he goes, okay, then we'll be ready. And the officer nods their head. Moff Gideon smiles. And then looks at one of these giant suits of, uh, I don't know, some sort of super soldier suit or something. I don't know. And then we see that there's a lot of them, like uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, probably 24. And the episode ends directed by Carl Weathers. First uh, plate is a uh, mid-century marauder getting chased. Uh, second plate is the fish tanks in the lab. Uh, third plate is Mando flying over the base in the sky. Fourth plate is uh, Cara Dune and Grief Cargus just chilling. Oh, Mando's talking to them. Uh, next plate is uh, the classroom. That's plate five. Mando's watching class. Six is a bridge of uh, Imperial ship. Probably Moff. Uh, then Dusk in Navarro town. Uh, plate seven. Plate eight is... Uh, the pet shop uh, and some effects we didn't even see in the pet shop. Uh, Mongoose with superpowers. Uh, then the base at dusk, that's uh, number nine. Number 10 is a little bit closer of the base with the mid-century marauder. And 11 is uh, Oso and the cookies. The cookies are different in the um, initial thing. And Oso doesn't look, Oso already looks like Oso has his tummy ache, and the episode ends. So another enjoyable, really enjoyable episode, I thought. Uh, uh, but we'll have Wendy Marshrap here for just a few minutes uh, to talk about some other Star Wars-related stuff. Uh, Wendy, take it away. Hey, everyone, my name's Wendy Marshtrap. Not win, Wendy like the wind, Wendy Marshtrap, and I'm here... On behalf of Sleep With Me, uh, to help finish up, uh, you're, you know, putting you to sleep, like Scooter says. And I work for the show. Now, somehow they forgot to contact me for the first few episodes. And I listened to them, and I said, uh, Scooter, did you forget me? Wendy Marstrap, my do-back Dewey. We're, we were on the podcast last year. You also forgot about, we've also been on your May the 4th, the Force Be With You episodes. Did you forget us? And Scooter said, oh, no, no, I was building up listener anticipation for your appearance so they'd be ready for you, Wendy. So I'm a resident of Star Wars. Uh, I mean, the, to you, the, the, from your world, you know, I am a, by the magic of, of the fan fiction fantasy machine. You know, I'm from a time long, long ago and far, far away, but I'm able to be here with you to give you information. Now, traditionally, I used to, uh, now, like, traditionally, I provide you, oh, what's a do-back? It's a bit like a dinosaur, uh, people say. Uh, But I usually talk about regions you could visit, kind of like a travel planner. But this year, Scooter said, well, let's keep the, let's just talk about some Star Wars facts from Wikipedia that may or may not be facts, Wendy. And, uh. You could do that. And we've talked about Tatooine before, but Scooter wanted me to start off with that. And it's a desert planet, uh, and uh, it, it's been referred to in the historical films all the way back to the original Star Wars, home of uh, Luke Skywalker and Anakin Skywalker. Uh, it's located in the outer rim. It orbits a pair of binary G-type stars, Tattoo 1 and Tattoo 2. Tattoo 2, I like saying that. Uh, it has uh, indigenous life forms such as Womp Rat, Bantha, Sarlacc, Crate Dragon that are adapted to the climate. 
and its proximity to the suns make life difficult, uh, but it, it's located near key hyperspace routes, making it a, you know, a haven for smugglers and other folks. Uh, there's also debris from uh, shipwrecks and scavenging, sandworm issues, which make it uh, tough to be a nomad. Uh, there has been a uh, an imperial presence uh, uh, because, and they also use supplied water because that, that that's always a tough to come by here. You know, we have moisture farmers, and some people live in subterranean dwellings, and we have indoor crops to supply food. There is some springs out there in the badlands of Beggar's Canyon, and that's what the Tuscan Raiders uh, like to do. The huts. Uh, a family of, uh, 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 they, they run the uh, underground world, uh, and because we've been out of the, we were for a long time out of the reach of the Galactic Republic. Uh, let's see, what else would you want to know? Well, oh, Mas Pelgo was known as Freetown. It's a town in the northern hemisphere of Tatooine, and that came up on, uh, uh, the, one of the episodes of uh, Mandalorian. Uh, there's two spaceports, uh, Mos Eisley. That's the biggest city, bustling spaceport, active underworld, wretched hive of scum and villainy, once referred to. It has the cantina. There's also Mos Espa, which is where the Boonta Eve class. You know what I watched with Scooter? There was something about the Boonta Eve podcast raised from Starkid. It was so fun. It was very funny. Uh, I didn't. They didn't do me though. Uh, that was where Anne, Annie, Anakin Skywalker, or Annie. Uh, so that's a little bit about Tatooine. It's mostly a desert environment. Uh, it has the Dune Sea and the Great Pit of Krakoon. Uh, so that's a that's a little bit about that. What about Jawas? And now Scooter said people don't know everything about Jawas. They're a they inhabit the desert planet, planet Tatooine, work as scavengers and tinkerers. They pick up broken machinery and fix it for sale. According to legend, they're bald and pale, and that's why they wear red or brown cloaks. Uh, and only their glowing eyes are visible. They use uh, long-abandoned mining sand crawlers uh, to get around. And they can ha house family units as well as store cargo. And they split up between working on board and off board. Uh, they're one meter to 1.5 meters tall. That's three to five feet for those of you in the U.S. Um, and I think that's it. Uh, I mean, you, you could learn more or you could watch an episode and uh, see more. No, Crate Dragon is just is really short. Uh, oh, oh, so sorry, Dubacks, as Scooter said. But don't forget about Dubacks. So Dubak is an also native to Tatooine, and that's my best friend Dewey, Dewey the Dubak. Uh, and someone said, "Does Dewey Duwap?" Scooter said that, and I said, uh, "I don't understand what you mean. I'm from a land far ago, long ago, and far, far away." But Dubaks are commonly beast of burden. You've seen them in the movies before. They're like a like an L I Z A R D version of a bantha in some sense, but longer, smoother, sleeker. They move slowly at night because, you know, they, they, uh, uh, but they can go at a brisk pace for short distances. The empires use them. But they make great, if you, you know, well, Dewey makes a great friend. I can't speak for every Dewback, uh, but I can speak for, uh, for Dewey. Crate dragons are uh, also from plat native to plat planet of Tatooine. They have a multi-chambered digestive tract. Uh, that's how mineral deposits known as crate dragon pearls uh, can become, uh, like, uh, growing there, or form, I guess. There's a, there's a canyon crate dragon and the greater crate dragon. Canyon ones live in rocky caves and canyons and uh, are safari ranges. They're the smallest of the crate subspecies. Uh, Yellow-brown camouflage skin, five uh, horns, uh, crown ridge, uh, dermal bone plates, uh, and a tail. They usually uh, 
They're part of the circle of life with womp rats and lone banthas. Then you have the greater great dragons, which are rare, but we saw one up to 100 meters in length, uh, 10 legs, blue scales. They love banthas, but they can, you know, they've been, you know, they've had other things to snack on. So that's great dragon. And then Tuscan raiders, uh, uh, or uh, like, uh, is it like the, the sand people? Because you say, well, why are you calling them a raider? Like, that sounds very empire-based. But they're nomadic. They live on Tatooine. Uh, there's a lot of legends about them that aren't necessarily true. Uh, but they are, you know, they have to, they have a hardy life out there on the desert. Uh, and they do even search for crate dragons as part of the, the, their uh, adult journey to adulthood. Uh, the most revered member of the Tuscan clan is the uh, storyteller who knows the life story of every member. And that's word for word. So that wouldn't be as what Scooter would be into. Uh, and we, you know, get to see a lot more of their, their, their more, uh, like, uh, mammalian side in this episode where before this, we were, they were just d- 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 depicted as, uh, in, you know, from, from a very limited perspective. And finally we'll cover Banthas, uh, now for some reason there's an extent, I mean, I don't like someone really took time on this, uh. This Wikipedia article about Banthas, it is long, and it talks about everything, even uh, how they've been in movies before. Uh, they're, they're said to be favored among fans. Uh, there was even a Bantha puppet at the New, York, uh, New York's uh, Village Halloween Parade at one point. Let's see what facts I could give you without having to go too deep into this one. So how come dewbacks don't have as much? Well, I mean, I guess banthas are cute. They have lips and horns. They're also a beast of burden uh, used by uh, Tuscans on Tatooine. Uh, you know, one of the first uh, non-human like type characters introduced in uh, the, the, the Star Wars uh, fictional rendition of Life in My World uh, they were originally portrayed by Asian, an Asian elephant, uh, from Marine World. And it was filmed in, uh, Death Valley. This is a fictional version. The Elephant's Gate also served as a mo- model for the movement of Adat Walkers. Uh, biology. They're large quadrupeds, mammals, thick hair, furry tails, spiraling horns. A bit like a, your bighorn sheep, horn-wise, uh, or muskox. Uh, let's see. They uh, eight to two, ten meters in height, or eight to ten meters in height. I don't know if that means length. Breathe oxygen. Live up to a hundred years. Uh, gestation period of thirty months. They become adults around twenty year, twenty years of age. And they can weigh up to 8,800 or 4,000 kilograms. Uh, they're strong, can fi- carry up to 500 kilograms or five uh, passengers. Now, this says that their planet of origin is unknown, but I, previously I heard that they were uh, indigenous, to, to, so I don't know. They're often associated with Tatooine, but they can be found in many other worlds from deserts to tundra. Because their uh, fur keeps out excess cold or heat. And that's a little bit about Banthas. So I hope you could picture a fuzzy, furry Bantha smiling at you and saying, Good job. Uh, good job. Good job. From and, and you know who else is smiling and saying good job? And it's okay. Dewey, Dewey was here to keep you company too, just like Scooter will be. My friend Dewey the Dewback smiling at you too. So good night. From Tatooine, from all of us at Tatooine, to all of you everywhere, particularly you, from me and Dewey the Dewback, good night.